0: So it's good to see you this morning, be in the Lord's house, and worship with you. I am going to ask you, if you're able and want to, to stand again. I mean, you look like you're going to sleep already, and we can't have that. But as we begin this first Sunday of Lent, um, the passage from the lectionary is found Mark, And so we're going to read that together. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, this first Sunday of this season of Lent, we pray that the Spirit will anoint our hearing so that we understand what it is that you desire from us these days. Remove obstacles so that we might hear clearly. And then the obstacles that would keep us from acting specifically. Bless our time this morning. May we truly worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Wednesday, last Wednesday, Oh, was more than the day after Mardi Gras. In fact, Wednesday is the the reason that we have Mardi Gras. Um, and for those of you that don't speak French, that's Fat Tuesday. An interesting name for a holiday that was created to for the last round of revelry before 40 days. Yes, Lent is 40 days long. In which our serious attention should be turned to anything but. Because Lent is a time of preparation. It's a time where we focus on death and mortality and, and repentance because of sin. But it's a time of preparation. And I think we kind of have it backwards in in one sense, because people have already decided what they're going to give up for Lent. And we haven't even been through Lent yet. We don't know exactly what God is expecting from us, asking from us, pointing out to us, but we've already predetermined what it is. So maybe it's just a bluff. Maybe we're bluffing God. We're just we're giving out just a little bit so that he doesn't ask too much. Did you notice the, the, the violence in the words used in Mark? Particularly that the spirit compelled, drove Jesus into the wilderness, immediately following the baptism. Now, Mark's the only gospel that doesn't feel compelled to talk to us about Jesus prior to his ministry. He marks his ministry with his baptism, and he explains his baptism because of John. And so there's this link between Isaiah, who talks about the one coming from the east, coming from the wilderness to throw up, to prepare the way of the Lord, and John being the one who does that. And then Jesus is baptized and goes into the wilderness. Mark doesn't give us the details the other gospel does when we come to this passage and this event. And I hope that today that will allow us to see a much larger picture than if we got tied up with bread coming from stones and, and pinnacles of temples and, and those kind of things. So John comes from the wilderness. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. What is the deal with the wilderness? You probably haven't paid much attention to how often. We're in the wilderness. Now, is it the wilderness itself? Or the experience that awaits Jesus in the wilderness? Hopefully we'll see. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness. Lent's 40 days long. Is that a coincidence? In fact, 40 days, 40 years, 40-something shows up an awful lot of times in Scripture. Is it marking the correct duration of time? Or should we make more of it? than just this Jesus was tempted by Satan why were you surprised that there were wild beasts in the wilderness no but a detail that would bring maybe something to mind or is it just descriptive of the setting But now the angels, that's something that may surprise us when we come to looking at the wilderness. Here's the question you need to settle today. Can these last two verses of our passage of Scripture become a template for us to prepare and observe Lent? Uh, Thank you for not jumping to conclusions. I can see you're waiting. The voice crying in the wilderness goes back to Isaiah, which we read this morning. And Isaiah is writing for and on behalf of those exiles that are away to the east. And everything has been carried away. The temple's been dismantled and it's it's. Components have been scattered or carried away. And the role of John is to, to signify the importance of this passage. What did it mean for Isaiah? That God would return from Babylon with his people and reestablish himself in Jerusalem. And that there needed to be a preparation for that, a, a, a making the way smooth so that it could occur. John comes from the wilderness to do this so maybe we should pay attention to this fact the desert is a place in scripture where people meet god it's a place of refuge from one's enemies just ask david he was there twice once from his father-in-law and once from his son It's a rough family. God appears to Moses and Hagar in the wilderness. It's a place of preparation. Forty years it took some people to get prepared, but it's a place of preparation. This leads many scholars, or some scholars, not I don't know about many, but some to say that the wilderness was an integral part to the living memory of the Hebrews. So as we begin to think about this and compare, thinking about it as a way to think and prepare for Lent, I want to ask you to consider as you go through this, just how much you should consider Lent as an integral part of your living memory to the serv- your service of the Lord. But first we need to find out about a shadow that appears over the New Testament. It's never clearly described, just hinted at and you may have heard of this shadow it's a group of people called the essenes the essenes were these people who thought that pharisees were liberals they thought they were compromising too much and we won't even mention what they thought of the sadducees and so what did they do they withdrew because that you could not Lead the life that protected the law inside of society. So they went away. And where did they go to? The wilderness. Thank you. We have some of their their writings were discovered in Qumran. But one of the things that was absolutely essential for these people, and the reason they went into the wilderness, is because they took Isaiah 40 seriously. They felt that somebody had to dedicate their lives to preparing the way for the Lord, to throwing up the valleys and lowering the mountains and making things right. And no segment of Jewish society was doing that. So they withdrew to the wilderness so they could come from the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord. They had a teacher of righteousness who led them into what they considered this sacred place so that they might meet the Lord and escort him to Jerusalem. Now, I can't be certain. But there is enough evidence to show John the Baptist acted like an Essene. Some of Jesus' disciples acted like Essenes. And church history did document that after Jesus had ascended into heaven, his brother James was the leader of the Essenes in Jerusalem. So that we, this, this need to prepare based upon an understanding of the wilderness. As a much stronger thread in the New Testament than we believe. The wilderness is where Jesus prepares for his public ministry. Now I grew up in a tradition that limited me in several ways. Gave me a great foundation, but but it limited me to, you know, it got. I've always assumed my children had to outgrow my parenting, you know? And that was, that was the purpose of them getting married, finding a spouse, and living their adult life was just to outgrow the bad stuff that I, Brenda would never have done it, but that I did to them. Same thing with my church tradition. And one of the things that I have become convinced of is the inability of my pastor to distinguish the importance of symbols. He would never hold with any interpretation of 40 days or 40 years that wasn't literal. And he missed so much. Just, I don't want to be crippled like that because there's ample evidence to show that 40 is a number that designates completeness. That you do something until you don't need to do it anymore. That you got it. That you're ready to go in the game. So I don't know how long Jesus was in the wilderness. It used to be quite a conundrum for my pastor to explain how Jesus didn't eat or drink for 40 days. I really don't care how many literal days he was there. All I know is that I am convinced that when he came out of the wilderness, whatever had to occur in the wilderness was complete. It was finished. You and I are going into a literal 40 days of Lent. We can't get around it. It's church tradition. But my bigger concern for us is will we come out of it with a complete process? Or will we come out half-baked? Would you believe me if I told you I have never eaten a half-baked anything with Brenda? It's true. If she, if I, I, See, I'm saying this nice stuff about her and she's not even up here. I don't want us to come out of Lent half-baked. Jesus was in danger in the the wilderness. The wilderness is a dangerous place. That's why the wild beasts are mentioned. I need to caution you that Lent's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous time. Jesus was tempted by Satan. Satan. Now, some of you find that hard to believe. And people explain away all the time those temptations. But I am thoroughly convinced that Jesus could have accepted any of the proposals that Satan laid before him. The writer of Hebrews was convinced of that as well. He said, we have a high priest who is tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. When Jesus was in the wilderness preparing for his ministry, God's plan of salvation and redemption was in danger. When we're in Lent, God's plan for salvation and redemption is in danger. Satan, if you're if you're serious about this, I mean, if you're a Mardi Gras type lender, then don't worry about this. It's, I'm just I'm not talking to you. But if you're serious about lint about it being a time of spiritual preparation, a time of spiritual examination, you need to be prepared that Satan will not let you get through it unscathed. But don't lose heart. Because Mark told us, not only are there wild beasts, and Satan? But they're angels. Angels in the wilderness. <clears throat> now, we, if you think about that seriously and take it on face value, you're not going to like it. Because most of us want angels to take us out of dangerous places. I've come to the conclusion that angels are only found in dangerous places. Take take a minute and look around. There are angels in this room. Angels that will pray for you and listen to you and make the transition through this period of Lent possible. But there are other angels that are going to just show up in the middle of the danger that you don't expect. Angels, wild beasts, and Satan are all a part of the wilderness. When Jesus leaves the wilderness, he is completely prepared for his ministry. When Jesus leaves the wilderness, he sets his face for Jerusalem. Now he will not go there directly. He will journey for a year. He will follow the paths that have been made straight and he will straighten them so that when he arrives in Jerusalem, when he arrives at Golgotha, when he reaches that point of his ministry, we will know that God is in Jerusalem. Will your task be the same? Now, it's hard to make a direct one analogy here because you may not this may be a surprise but you and I ain't going to get it the first time we're not going to spend any no matter how complete it is we're going to mess it up it's not going to completely get through to us and that's why we do Lent every year so we get another chance You know what my prayer is for Lent this year? And, and I don't know why this didn't occur to me five or six decades ago. It's hard for me to be honest with myself. It's much easier to be honest with other people, or at least I think I'm trying to be honest. But there are times when I, I kind of wake up in the middle of the night or, or, or the first thing in the morning and think, that's what it is, and, 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 and realize how I have lied to myself, how I have deceived myself. Do you do that? Of course you do. That's why we do Lent more than once. So here we are. We're not at the beginning, but we're at the first Sunday. So here's what we need. We need to be intentional. You don't meander through Lent. You don't just take a stroll through Lent. You, can you imagine Wandering out into the desert without being intentional about it? If Lent will provide a successful time of renewal for us, it will be because we've entered into it intentionally and recognize that its main objective is to make us path builders. Have you ever got stuck in the road? How many of you ever got stuck in a mud hole? How many of you have ever got stuck in the same mud hole more than once? Like 35 times or... It makes you think that somebody needs to build up this path. We did language school at a place called Musima in Burundi, and it was the main headquarters of, of Baptist life in Burundi. But we were moving to Ribura. Now, we had visited Ribura just a few weeks after we arrived, before we went to Missouma for language school, and we got there, we found out that there had not been any missionaries living on that, that compound for 10 years. And the house that we were moving into had not been lived in longer than that. And in fact, when the, the, the other the missionaries that had received us took us back around past the church to the house, the bleeding of the goats that they were keeping in there surprised our, our hosts. And in fact, the woman thought we were going to just turn around and get in the car and go back and get on an airplane because inside the house were about 35 goats. And it was clear they had been there frequently. The termites had done their damage. They had eaten all of the wood frame, door frames and all the window frames. So all the openings of the house were just rough. There was, no, there was no ceiling. And Brenda kind of looked around and said, well, this is going to need some work. And so I went to Missoula during that year of language study to make sure the work was being done. But just down the hill from from Musima, just as you got down in this valley and you went along the valley for about 10 miles and then came out and headed up to where our new home would be, there was a mud hole. And the first time I went down there, I got stuck. And I I wasn't prepared. And there were some guys standing around and they said, we can get you out of here. Uh, 500 franc. Well, it was only about... What was it in those days? About $4. But I didn't want to pay it, but I did. I got stuck coming back home. Getting stuck twice. I mean, I I, I couldn't avoid, I I guess I could have driven around, but it was cheaper just to pay my way through the second time. But from then on, I carried a shovel because I found out there were rocks in this mud hole. You couldn't just drive through because there were rocks. You would hit the rock and get stopped. Then you were stuck. You couldn't just barrel through it. Boy, did it make those guys mad when I opened up the back of my van and pulled out my shovel and just started clearing the way to get my van through this mud hole. I did that for nine months. got stuck, but I got myself out. But that didn't really fix anything, did it? Just after we'd moved to Rabura, there was a big meeting at Massima that not only had religious leaders but political leaders, and the governor of the province came driving down that road because the capital of the province was one of the towns I went through before I got to Rabura, and he came driving down that road, and guess what happened to him? He got stuck. Now, Burundi people didn't have jobs. A few of them did. But most of them were what's called subsistence farmers. And so they just grew what they could. They ate what they grew. That was their economy. So they paid taxes by working for four hours every Saturday morning. After the governor got stuck, guess what everybody within walking distance was doing for the next two months? They raised that road through the valley three feet. Oh, I forgot to tell you. That mud puddle was there even in dry seasons. No, it was a money-making project. These people were carrying water from the river and putting it on the, in this mud hole. They raised this road through this valley three feet. We never got stuck there again. You've got a mud hole you're getting stuck in. That's why we're in Lent. Now, you've got to figure out what it is. Or you've got to listen and let God show you what it is. But there's some mud hole that you kept get, keep getting stuck in, and you may get yourself out of it, but it ain't fixed. Fixed. Be intentional to find out what it is remember while you're doing this that the wilderness is a dangerous place so don't take anything for granted enter into this time seeking out the Lord's guidance, seeking out what the Lord has to say to you Because one of the things that you should do if you intend to be intentional is you should come out of Lent with an objective, a goal. What are you going to do for the Lord between now and next Lent? What is your assignment for the kingdom between now and the next time we have somebody standing here telling you it's the first Sunday of Lent? Are you going to meander through this next year? Are you going to work, walk through this next year with a kingdom purpose, specific for this time? If you do, Satan will be on your. He'll be on your case. Count on angels. Count on the unexpected note, the unexpected phone call, the people who tell you they're praying for you. Because Lent is an invitation to join a process. This process began with the announcement that Isaiah made when he wrote chapter 40. And it will continue until the Lord returns. You're in this process. What is your response? Lent requires renewal. You've been in some mud hole this year that's got mud on you. You need to be cleaned up and made ready for service once again. Me too. I've learned a long time I, I shouldn't say you. We have been in mud holes, haven't we? And we have a joint task to re engage a spiritual journey that Jesus has established for us. So, now, do you hear these words any differently? Thomas said, "Jesus, where are you going?" And Jesus said, "Thomas, Thomas, where I'm going, you know, no, no, where are you going, Thomas? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but." By me. What's the path you need to throw up? It is the presence of Jesus Christ. The presence of Christ in your life and in the, in the, in the encounters that you make this week and every week, every day, from now to the end of this year. That's your assignment Can you carry the presence of Christ to build up the reality that he is the way? Now, if Lent can get us ready to do that better than we've done it in the past, then it will be a complete experience. Not just 40 days of wandering. Not just 40 days of waiting for it to get over. but a complete process. But then we'll have to do it again next year. But let's make this year. And the events of this year and the things that we can testify that come out of this year because we have been serious about Lent. We have been intentional about lint. We have recognized the dangers of Lent and we have recognized the resources that God provides us, and let let us be able to give testimony in a service like this next year that this complete process made a difference in our walk with the Lord between now and then. Let's pray. As the praise team comes, and as we contemplate the fact That we are in the first Sunday of Lent. And we don't know exactly what's going to be our experience. Let's ask ourselves, let's ask God to hear us and meet us where we really are. I confess to you, Father, that I have trouble being honest with myself sometimes, and that makes me miss what you have to say to me. Sometimes it's more obvious than others. And I thank you for being patient with me and helping open my eyes and helping me learn. I confess I don't know exactly what you want from me in this Lenten season. But I acknowledge the fact that I'm here in the wilderness. This period of time that's dangerous and full of hope. May I and may each person here and may we as a church hear your voice. May we prepare the way. And may we rejoice in those that we enable to follow a clearer path to you. We'd pray this and make this commitment to you in your name. Amen. Let us sing for your dismissal is to remind you of a man Jesus met. And Jesus asked him if he had faith. And he said, yes, Lord, but help my unbelief. That is the man I pray that we emulate. And he becomes our role model, not only for this week, but for this entire Lenten season. So go forth and search for more faith. You're dismissed.